Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. After Party Pod is brought to you by the book Ending Addiction for Good, which is by Cliffside Treatment Center founder and CEO Richard Tate and Dr. Constance Scharf, Cliffside's addiction researcher. Through self-disclosure, case studies, scientific facts, and firsthand experience, Tate and Scharf explain how anyone can recover from addiction. The book is great. I'm a fan of it. And it I'm not the only one. It's received rave reviews and it made it into the VMA's gift bag. And you just know those people need to hear this message. You can get the book on Amazon, of course, or by going to their website, which is cliffsidemalibu.com. You're listening to House Calls with Laura House. House Calls. And Laura House is going to give us her reaction on the word slip. Slip. That is a confusing term mm. to me because, well, I came, well, because it makes it sound so sweet. It makes mm. it sound so, like, but that's a, that's a start over situation. Yeah. A slip is, yeah. like, that's kind of when, like, the signs are like, buzz driving is drunk driving. It's like, that is... Like, it makes it sound like it's no big deal. Yeah. And it's not that it's a big deal, like, it's wrong or anything. It just means that it's like, it makes it sound like there's a spectrum of not being sober anymore. Yeah. And there's not. It's, yeah, it's like it's, almost pregnant. It's Yeah, exactly. It's, um yeah, real black and white. And so, but I came in through a food program. Okay. And they would use the term slip. And I yeah. remember a sober guy going, what do you mean slip? And it's like... Well, I'm only supposed to have half a cup of oatmeal, but I had a whole cup of oatmeal. And, like, I will grant you that that slip. Right. I right, will go, right, right, right. okay, you had a yeah. cup of oatmeal. You weigh and measure all your food. You had an extra spoonful or whatever. Like, right. that, okay, that's a slip. But, like, yeah, in, in boot, because he, and he explained it. He was like, because with alcohol, there's no. Yeah. Well, but I think. I, I just think, had a little bit of alcohol. I'm totally fine. Yeah. I think that what it's meant to describe, and this is confusing because not everybody like knows that. It. It's like if you just went out briefly. Yeah. You know. Which that I get too, but then that's just like a. a it doesn't matter. A quick. Yeah. Relapse, which is. Yeah. Good. Like. Right. Better than. Not coming back. Yeah. Better than lots of scenarios. But yeah, slip is, is. I also, I guess I. You know, everything gets filtered through your own experience. Well, it, yeah, my own experience. And also, you're asking me to give my own response. So I am. But I, am. I think of me and like, if I had like what I would think of as like, I guess slip makes me think of sip. Oh. So I can see myself like, I'm at the Hollywood Bowl 
and like sometimes I look at my boyfriend's alcohol and yeah. I'm like, what if I just have I a know, little? I know. Or like if it's a fruity, like somebody's having a greyhound or yeah. something, and I'm like, well, that looks refreshed. That doesn't look like something that could it's kill dangerous. me. Yeah, yeah, that just looks like a a completely delightful experience yeah. in that glass. And I just think like I get like a sip of that. Would you go, oh, that's a slip if I ran back in the room, you know, called right. 10 people, ran back in the room? I would not. So to me, like, a slip is such an avalanche, you know, it's, well, it's like... Well, I did it. Well, when I was six and a half months sober, I went out to have a drink, and I ended up having four and a half pits of ecstasy and two bottles of wine. That's and I came what back I would do. The next day, that was considered a slip oh. by some. But you still start the day. What's the Exa- difference? It's no difference. Makes no sense. Yeah. Should we try to eliminate it from the language? <laughs> <laughs> Should we? That's a little controlling. <laughs> Should we just insist no one say it anymore? Yeah. I think it is a little, because it's, for me, like being sober today, I go, oh, a slip doesn't sound bad at all. Right. But like when people go, oh, I relapsed, yeah, 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 it was yeah. rough, I go, oh, I that's something I'd like to avoid. Like yeah. a slip sounds something I'd like that, to experience. Yeah, again, so, the reason that it's we not a good word for me. pain to eradicate it and you judged me. I'm trying we've to help all, people. We've all got to just live in, I'm saying that's a really controlling <laughs> Thing to go to. You heard it from Laura. I'm controlling. This is from oh, House Calls with Laura House. <laughs> Hi, it's Anna David here with the After Party Pod. But you know that. You downloaded it. At least, I hope you downloaded it and it's not like it is being thrust upon you while you are in captivity and somebody is forcing you to listen to it. That would be a, a terrible circumstance. Let's assume your circumstance uh, for listening to this is better. Many treats in store for you today. Uh, the continuation of the amazing segment, House Calls with Laura House, of course, as well as a guest named Michael DeBar, um, who is a truly unique man that uh, I, I met a long time ago. And I don't have like an older man thing that is not my thing, but I was so attracted to him. I was so drawn to him because he's really the single most charming human being that that I had had ever met have ever met I, I'm trying to say he's really up there and I had never met anybody like him and he was we talk about this in the interview but he was sitting at this party that I was taken to where I didn't know anybody and he was he was in a black leather vest and he wasn't wearing a shirt and that that again not exactly the kind of thing that I, I, I would necessarily be drawn to but he was he commanded all this attention because he was so funny and he has this way of sort of projecting, um, I don't know, a great appreciate. I think he's a great appreciator of life. And, and, I, and I thought he was really uber fabulous. And we, I guess we sort of became friends. And then I was sort of bottoming out in my addiction. And he was sober, which I took to mean he was, you know, going to perform a citizen's arrest on me if he knew what I was up to. But he was not. He was... Um, he was the perfect way to be. He was the way that I hope I am when I encounter addicts or people who are using drugs, which is to say that he did not make me feel judged. He uh, didn't he, – he, he seemed mostly bewildered by why I was choosing to, uh, you know, ingest vats of cocaine. And, um, and then we had a little dalliance. We had a little dalliance. And it was fun. It was brief. I was not sober. And um, and then when I got sober, he was around, and, and he is truly an inspiring guy, and he has done many things. He's now 65. He does not look it. Um, he has been 
in, in a billion bands. He was in the Power Station. He was in a band called Detective. Um, he co-wrote the song, You're My Obsession. You're my obsession. It's like the ode to alcoholism. He wrote it about cocaine. He not only reveals that in this episode, but he also sings a bit of it. How's that for an exclusive? Um, he has been an actor. He is an actor. He's been on a billion and one things, starting with WKRP in Cincinnati. Remember that? Um, he was on Melrose Place. I believe he was Heather Locklear's evil boss at the advertising agency. Um, and he has been in a lot of movies. Ugh, he was in one of the Poison Ivies. Very sexy role. He was on Nip Talk. He has been in millions of things. Um, he was also on Live Aid. Remember that? And a confession. Uh, I sing karaoke. Not well. Um, I mean, I think it's sad if you sing karaoke well a little bit. So, so I have friends that I go and I sing karaoke with, and one of our songs that we'll sing as a group is that... Um, we are the world. You see why I'm not a singer. We are the children. That didn't sound that bad. But we all like put our arms around each other and act like we're Bono and Michael DeBar. Um, and it's fun. And anyway, Michael has been sober since 1981. And um, I think that has a lot to do with why he emanates this uh, light, loving energy and uh, also why he doesn't look remotely near 65. So I hope you enjoy my interview with him. Um, he's got a, a show called The Michael Day Bar Show, which we talk about, which is apparently very popular. So if you're not listening to it, you're maybe the only one. Anyway, listen, love, comment, recommend, give stars, do whatever you want to do. I just like you for listening, and I hope you are not in captivity. I really do. Okay, here we go. The, the cynicism and the irony, the, the need for, um, to prove you're outside of the world and that you're a rebel, and it's, it's nonsense. Do you think that's what swearing does? I think it's, it's part of the vernacular that goes with the persona that is chosen as rebellious, yes. Interesting. You know, I, um, I went to a life coach when I was living in New York. Did you know I ever lived in New York? Mm, I think I did know that you lived on the East Coast <laughs> because you're so sophisticated, darling. You should absolutely live in the no. In fact, for the rest of the interview, I'm going to imagine us somewhere in, the, in a penthouse off Fifth At Avenue. the Algonquin table? Uh, you're we way too smart for those idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Dorothy Powell. Ha! Dorothy Parker. Dorothy Parker. If only place. she could keep up with Name my another witty one. repartee. Um, oh, see, now, now you put me on the spot. Kaufman. Um, Kaufman? Kaufman. Well, he was the funniest of them all and the least known, you know. I, I, what was his first name? Because uh, we're not Elvis. talking about Andy. Okay. El Elvis. Elvis Kaufman. Elvis Kaufman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe anything no, no, no. I'm told. Ludwig. Ludwig Kaufman was the... No, I can't remember his, his name either. No, okay, because I, I would say Fitzgerald would join them at times. No. Yes. They, no, they, he'd be too drunk by then. You know, but the thing is about that whole Algonquin thing is I think the reason we mythologize that is because there isn't those salons, you know, those, those no. um, you know, you, you'd think it would be on TV. you think would, there would be a weekly, fantastically intellectual, funny, drunken dinner party on television. You know what I mean? I mean, now it would be, but it isn't because it's drunken louts tearing each other's hair extensions so alcoholism out. alcoholism used to be appealing. Well, it was not only appealing, it was symbolic of the age. Yeah. If you didn't have a martini in one hand and a cigarette in the other, you were an idiot. 
and yeah. wore a vest. Yeah. You know, um, and, uh, you know, it was a symbol of cool in those days. And that's, you know, that's what redefining cool has been part of my sobriety to a great deal. Yeah, year. You that's know what interesting. I mean? That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, you know, the Jimmy Dean dangling cigarette frown, angst-ridden collar up look to me, uh, you know, maybe Calvin Klein is turned on by it, but right. not me. And, uh, right. you know, it's such an old-fashioned archetype. Well, because ultimately, to me, that spell, I mean, not to be so Susie, you know, healthy, but mm. like, you know, it just spells like depressed, alone, angsty, yeah. withdrawn. Like, that's not even appealing to well, me. You know what's worse than that? Pretending to be angsty and withdrawn. Right. You right. Know? And, right. and that's the real uh, comedy right. where you get somebody who's really joyous and happy, but he figures he can because it ain't cool. Right. So he gets the stubble like Johnny. Now, they all look like Johnny well, Depp's I mean, younger brother. And, and, right. you know, and, and, and they're all swigging on Jack Daniels, which is disgusting. And before long, they're addicted to something they don't want to be addicted to. Well, it's interesting because you, since I've known you, yeah. obviously you've been sober. But also you have, you have never um, sort of, as far as I've seen it, you know, tried to shield your sort of buoyant, joyous side i'm wondering when you were like a very cool rocker if you did if you were like no i'm i'm withdrawn i'm not happy I'm no there was another persona i chose which was abandoned enough and anarchism i think you know like the the iggy figure the 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 the, the self-mutilating figure and right. i mean that metaphysically not not physically god right. forbid i would ever hurt myself physically you love yourself too well much. i said not a blemish not a scar who is it michael de Barr? i would never <laughs> in any way hurt that no but I was... Is I, it hurting I, you that we don't have a video camera on you it, right It hurts now? me that there's not a camera on me at all times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially at Ralph's, strangely enough. <laughs> They're probably watching you. But they, you know they are. Yeah. I mean, I know somebody's, some CIA, you know, Claire Danes is somewhere filming me. Did you know I, I've never I, seen that show? Oh. Geez, Just watching Breaking mind. Bad now. Oh, God. Well, you know, it's, it's like that phenomena, Anna, of, of, of binging. Yeah. You know, it's almost as if watching... Breaking Bad, seven seasons in one day, is the new Coke. I know. You can snort Walter White, right? you know, for a week. I mean, and it's so interesting that our society is, has now gone into the media as an addiction. It's so interesting to me. Very well put by Kevin Spacey in his wonderful speech at Edinburgh Film Festival right, a right, couple right. of weeks ago. I'm sure you saw it. And he broke it down. I as, read the tweets about it. Oh, they, they, was it was a phenomenal. I heard It's only that. five minutes you can handle I it. I don't know that I have the attention <laughs> But it was really, really, he summed it up. You know, what is a yeah. movie? What is a series? What is it? Is it on your phone? Is a movie last th 13 hours? Does it last an hour and a half? How do you see? You right. know, it, he really just smashed the whole convention of what we do, you know, here, what we're doing here. I mean, what is this? This is a conversation, you know, and um, we could film it and we could put it up on YouTube and we could put it on our phones and our iPads and so on and so forth. So binging is the new, is the new drug, Binging Anonymous. Well, but the thing is, I mean, if you compare it to other drugs, how very healthy. Well, I mean, is it, that's, but, that, or is it get out of the binge philosophy? Well, that, that's it, isn't it? Right. I, I think that the binge philosophy, for the most part, is escape. You know, I've got this new thing um, in my head, which is the notion that if you do espouse to going off the grid, I would consider that cowardice. What do you mean? What is that go off the grid? We are here for each other. Right. If we are not here for each other right now, today, yeah. in this world that we live in, which is divided and corrupt 
and absolutely the disparity is enormous and getting you know further and further distant as the hours go by if you're not going to fight for it your 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 freedom as a human being as and as an individual now then when on earth are you going to do it and uh, would you make the decision to go to oregon with your family you know is, is that what the move is to run away from what the at the very time when we need community right right well, and you see the internet as, I mean, I, 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 as I told you, I just listened to the Judd Nelson episode yeah. of your show. Yeah. And, um, you know, and you spoke a lot about how you see the internet as, you know, as sort of the great divider and the great connector, yeah. it's which a, it's I think is well said. Yes, it's a strange um, technology that is, can, yeah, but it's like anything. I mean, you know, in a relationship, you can abuse a relationship. You can both want each other for the worst reasons and yet be absolutely connected. Or you can be there for each other in, in a mystical sense and in, in, a, in a unifying sense. It's what you perceive it to be. Right. It's right. like if, you know, I only wear black clothes simply because I'm so narcissistic that it left to other colors, I would never leave the house. You know what I mean? <laughs> because it simplifies the getting dressed process. It simplifies just keep the getting trying. dressed process. The, the other day, I, I posted a photograph of my wardrobe, the contents of one of my wardrobes, right? Uh-huh. Which is all black. Yeah. And I put variety as the spice of life, <laughs> you know, because in a way, in some high cool way, it sort of, you know, brings it all back to, you know, one thing. And I don't have to think about that. I'll yeah. just wear black. But my point being is the Internet has been an incredible t- uh, tool for me because, you know, it does give you the ownership of what you do. Right. And that has been so important to me in my musical efforts, you know, because um, I've been on a thousand labels, been in a hundred bands. And, right. you know, had one, 20 record deals and 40 managers and, you know, and, and none of them have really done a damn thing for me. Right. You know, they have got their own agenda. And I, you know, I mean, this is nothing new to your listeners, I'm sure. But, but uh, the, the ownership and of your own content, terribly important. Unbelievably important. And that's what the internet provides. It's interesting because I've been, I, you know, my whole thing with, I, you know, I've started this website and, and um, you know, I basically hit the point where, I, you know, I, I have been successful as a writer, sort of undeniably successful, Absolutely you know, si- you my sixth been. book is coming out yeah, and I am tired of making money for everybody else. That's correct. I'm just, I can't do it anymore. No, you mustn't. I mean, it's a, because, well, it's the same thing going back to the principle of not going um, off the grid. You're going on your own grid. Right. You know, I mean, we're all on a grid. Don't kid yourself. You think because you're going to move to Oregon that Claire Danes can't see you? Come right, on. Right, see, right. You think Sol isn't going to come knocking at your door? You Again, know, I, ha- yeah, or, I don't or, see it, but I'm getting the references anyway because well, I'm just Well, the, these are all references of characters that, you know, are in this mythical television show, you know, observers of right. humanity and society. And there's no privacy. You know, who the hell wants to see pictures of your granny at Thanksgiving? You right. know, it's so, I'm flattered that anybody wants well, to Well, I, darling, I absolutely, you took the words right out of, out of my mouth. It must have been when you were kissing me. Do you know what that is? That's a meatloaf song. By the way, we kissed a million years ago. Yes, we kissed. Is that okay to talk about? Uh, kisses are always good to talk okay. about. Okay, so and, let's yeah. talk briefly about, okay, my exposure to you, because what you do, and exposure? it's very <laughs> Yeah, can we can talk you? about your exposure. Oh, Michael, do you remember blah, blah, blah about me? You go, oh, yes, of course. And I don't, I think you're not, entirely accurate no, no, I no. don't know what you remember but I'm going to tell you exactly because you right are then. such a memorable figure wow. and you have and, and I have a good memory when it comes to memorable figures not from anything else well you have a memorable figure <laughs> okay so what happened is when I was 
a terrible alcoholic, but not yet a drug addict. I just hadn't, I hadn't really connected with my true love cocaine. We had flirted, but we had not gotten into a relationship. I was taken to a party in the hills. It was a daytime party. My friend was dating some older man. That's all I remember. You were holding court in a black vest. You were wearing pants, but you had no shirt under mm. the black vest. Oh, dear. And that was my Chippendales phase. Okay, but yeah. all I know is that I don't think, honestly, like I had ever met a person as charming as oh. you. I, I think it was like a shock to my system. Mm. And I just said, who is that man? Mm. Why is he so charming? I must know him. And we sort of talked and I was drunk. And I don't think you remember this. This, this just was like random. And I was very, you know, impressed with your stardom and all of that stuff. Cut to fast forward, I want to say two years. I went to a party at my my uh, my ex boyfriend from college, who I randomly just spoke to yesterday. He's now a, um, a therapist at a treatment center. He and I were both like deep into our addiction. He had a party in his in Beechwood. You were there. I can even tell you a girl named Catherine took you, an actress that you were friends with. Yes, Catherine Butler, great photographer, actress. I don't think I that remember was. Remember it? I don't know. If the, Blonde. First of all, I don't think that was her name was Catherine Butler, but I Catherine Kendall. That might have been it. Yeah, she changes her name every now and then. <laughs> the CIA are after her. No, no, no. But I remember distinctly this this whole Beechwood blonde photographer actress. You absolutely. I don't even believe you, but I'm I I, I'm you. flattered that you're playing along. Julie, if I've ever told the truth. <laughs> so here's what I remember: that I got to this party, yeah. and I very quickly learned that. Um, that I didn't have cocaine. I thought I maybe I ran out of cocaine. I called my dealer and I remember getting my dealer to come to this party. And that was when cocaine was still fun. It wasn't terrible. I was still doing it with people. Mm. And I remember, you, oh, you also made an impression on me at that daytime party because you were sober. Mm. And I was like, but only, only freaks and terrible people are sober. So you made this, I was like, you can be fabulous and sober. Mm. What? And so I said to you at this party, I think we were flirting sort of. And I said, sure. I have to run outside because my Coke dealer is here. <laughs> to get my cocaine and pay him. What did I say? And what you said was, and I appreciated this so much because you know when you're a drug addict and you are talking to a sober person, you think that sober person is a cop, basically? Yeah, we're going to judge you. They think that person is either going to arrest you or judge you and you're not sure which is worse. Right, right. So you said, darling, why are you doing cocaine? That's so 80s. (laughs) And and so, but it's, it's stuck in my mind. And then I think we went on a date. Yes, we did. Yes. Yes, we did. And um, and it was lovely. Yeah. Maybe we went well, on you're a gorgeous girl. I mean, you're an amazing looking girl. You're smart as a whip. I mean, you, please, you must be, I was going to say beating people off, but you know. I, it, I, you, you know, know what? You I, must be just avoiding the, the attentions of young men and older men all over the planet. Somewhere between the two possibilities middle-aged men we're talking about <laughs> no 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 somewhere oh. between beating them off and avoiding them okay good um, well that could be the title of your seventh book couldn't it darling <laughs> somewhere between beating off and avoiding avoidance that's brilliant that you're w- brilliant Anna David. so um, so what happened then is is then i got i got sober yeah and um and and you were yeah thank god thank god and you were very much around in those early days yeah. there was a night no, there was a night before I was sober when you and I had dinner at Dan Tana's with my friend Liz. Don't you dare say I remember this because I know you don't. No, I remember and Gabriel Dan Tana's and Gabe. Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, and my, my um, dearest friend. And um, and then there and so then I got sober and you were around and I so appreciated that you know you yeah. and Jonesy and yeah. and um, Steve is a pillar of uh, of sobriety, which is 
You see, that that's he represents to me what the new cool is he, in a nutshell mm-hmm. because he's he is the smartest man I know. This is a man who couldn't read or write till he got sober. I didn't know that. That's correct. But he's not a big talker, Jonesy. You have to be. You have to say a lot mm-hmm. to be smart. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I've learned. You know, it's I call it high cool. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, obviously messing with the idea of the Japanese couplets that are so clean and clear and zen and precise. And and he is clean, clear, and zen, and precise. Um, and I will ramble on for hours. That uh, takes him a couple of sentences. And I rely on his his intellectualism because if you think about it, you can be intelligent by reading Martin Amos. He's in, my favorite author. That's weird that you would name him. Really, and one of mine. Or you can be aware of the human condition. Right. Right, so that's what he is. He is a street, and savant is almost derisive, and mm-hmm. it's not the right word. But but somebody who is blessed with the brilliance of Steve Jones, who is, uh, you know, which is at such variance with any concept of, of punk. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. A, as I as he's fond of saying, anything I do is punk. Whatever I do is punk. So there's a certain brilliant logic to that, you know, right. that you don't have to be confined by killing your girlfriend in a hotel in uh, Can I tell you know, something crazy? Yeah. Jonesy and I were hanging out a little bit when I lived in New York yeah. by virtue of the fact, not hanging out like that. Yeah. Um, I was dating this Frenchman who was on this soccer league oh, with other yeah. fabulous Europeans. Yeah. And I went to go see this guy play soccer and I couldn't find him because I'm nearsighted and all. they all looked the same. And then I was like, is that Steve Jones? Like, kick, that would be so, what would Steve Jones be doing here? Anyway, yeah. he was there for a few weeks. Oh, yeah. And we started what hanging out. What year was that? It was, I want to say, four years ago. Four years ago, yeah. And yeah. he had never been to the Chelsea Hotel. Yeah. So well, I walked him over there. Oh, that's pretty historic. I know, and, and took all these pictures of him right in front of the Chelsea Hotel for the first time. Well, he's a beautiful man, you know, and he's my favorite guitar player. And I listen to his music every day of my life because I work out every morning of my life, and I have a iPod thingy that just plays, you know, that hardcore rock and roll that I love so much. You know, yeah. Iggy and the Dolls and all of that, that whole school of music. And, and you know, and I got to be in checkered pants with the guy. But the point is yeah. that, that uh, is that, you know, any, anybody that tries to characterize sobriety or rock and roll or anything, anything yeah. is out of their minds. Right, right, right. And dealing in, in archetypes that are so dull and boring, which right. is why I turned away from acting to, to a degree and got into broadcasting. And, you know, and I narrated 200 motels at the Disney Hall a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I didn't know that. LA Philharmonic, yeah. And I'm working with the Glendale Philharmonic on another project, which is about a... Oh, it brings tears to my eyes when you think about it, but it's this Polish guy who rescued a lot of Jews from the Holocaust in Poland, uh, and it's an amazing story. And um, this friend of mine, Sharon Farber, who has written a string uh, concerto based on this guy's experiences, and I narrate it, which is not easy, mm-hmm. because I'm from Chuck Berry land, you know, and now I'm with an orchestra. I mean, I, a few weeks ago, I was in the Disney Hall with Essa Pekka Salonen conducting the LA Philharmonic, you know, reciting the Frank Zappa's words while 160 musicians played and, and 30 voice choir. And it was the, one of the I mean, I've been in some big bands. And, you know, yeah, that's, that's, I, I haven't been in, you know. And, and, the, and the, the point being is you can do anything you want and retain the enthusiasm and energy and freshness and joy of rock and roll and not be in, you know, high heels and lipstick. Right. 
Right. I mean, especially when, when Lou Reed passed, I think that was a big slap in the face for a lot of people to wake up and realize, you know, because we only realize when these people are gone. Right. The ones that... But people realized with Lou Reed. I mean, do you think it was surprising because, you know, he'd had that, he had a liver transplant, right? That I think would, the surprise was is that Bowie lives forever. Right. We're at a point in our culture where all of our heroes, um, in terms of rock and roll, uh, uh, and in acting, like I saw Redford movie this weekend in his mid-70s. I heard that's amazing. And he is magnificent. He's on screen for the whole movie. Yeah. Nobody else in it. And he plays this guy who's, you know, his... his, his He's a patrician man, an elegant man. His boat is sinking, and he deals with it. He's already dead. Right. You know, inside, and now he's going to die on the outside. It's interesting. Fantastic performance. Point being, older heroes are now dying. Right. So we have to deal with that. Right. When Bowie goes, God rest his soul, I hope he lives to a thousand, um, but he won't. And when he does go, I think culturally it'll be an enormous shift. You know, when, when Mick or Keith go, you know, I mean, right. this is huge. Um, you know, because it's not the 27-year-olds going. You know, this is people that they we've lived with. Our, they still go, but we can we can mythologize them. Right. But right, when right. they're 70, and right. they like, and they look it. Right. And and you look it. Well, I look it. You don't look anything you like it. You don't. You don't age. So well, I don't you know. know. It's you the blood don't. of virgins and wheatgrass. But <laughs> I, uh, you know, it, it's it just fascinates me to when when he passed. I did dedicated one of my shows to him mm-hmm. and researched it very deeply. What Patty Smith thought about him, her being for me, you know, I mean, an incredibly important person in right. the arts. Uh, just Kids was a masterpiece her music is brilliant her poetry is brilliant. just what she represents you know i i, I know and um i went to this uh um lecture that she gave to ten thousand youngins in central park in the summer and she the first thing she said anna when she came out on that stage sat on that stage she looked just like patty smith Long hair, lank hair, you know, and a white T-shirt and everything's too big and there's no jewelry and, you know, maybe a couple of subtle bracelets. And the first thing, and she's Patty Smith, people go, oh, my God, it's Patty Smith. She comes out and she goes, use dental floss. <laughs> it's the first thing she says to those kids. It's good advice. Unbelievable advice. Point being is she's Patty Smith. Yeah. The priestess of punk, the empress of New York. You know, lady heroine, you know, the queen of rock and roll. And she comes out and tells those kids to dental, you know. So what is cool? Right, right, right. Can you define it? You know, anything you do is cool if you know who you are. We're in the business of self-expression. You've got to find out who that self is before you can express it. Right, Once right. you do, you're cool. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's, I think that that's true. I think that, um, you know, I, I was so, I, I, I think as, as a adolescent or whatever, I was so unhappy and so unwilling to admit I was unhappy that I was, I, I, I thought, I, you know, I really thought cool and, and, and all of that mattered so much. I didn't realize it was a made up idea. Yeah. I just thought that if, you know, I, I just, I think I was determined to get somewhere uh, you know, to to be accepted, something that I thought. Well, you it's know. identity. Everything's about identity. You had, you, if, but you can latch on to the wrong archetype. It, yeah. You know, James Dean. They say uh, culturally gave a voice to that peculiar and awkward 
time in your life where you're not a child right. and you're not an adult. So he gave a that's voice. That's the worst time. Yeah, that's the worst and most difficult time. Yeah. And everything depends on those those few years. That's it. Do that. you think, I, I? well, here's my, I, I think everything depends on zero to seven, which yes, are, were sure. totally fucked for argue with that. most people yes, I know. I wouldn't argue with that. And that you spend eight to 90 trying to undo whatever damage was done between There's zero no and seven. And I think that early 20s, or for me, all of my 20s, were, it was just a bad time. And, and, I, and I get it. And I, you know, I don't wish I could go back there. I think it's like you're so powerless. You're so clueless in a way that you can never fully understand. Yeah, that, um, that's why my life has been peculiar. Because from 16 to those ages that you're yeah. discussing, I was into So With Love. And I was a prince in London. You know, I, I, I did that movie with Sidney Poitier when I was 16. And we were... Which movie? Why? To, to So With Love. Oh, that's right. That's right. In 1966. And we were, you know, royalty then. You know, and then I got into rock and roll. And then I, you know... But and, you were royalty, literally, well, literally royalty Yes, anyway. I was in that, yes. Okay, so I, briefly. Was, yeah. So, okay, Baron and Baroness were your parents. Uh, they, 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 my father uh, was a, a, a marquis. A marquis. And uh, this is a French title recognized by you know, the idiots in, in power in England at the time. Because it is idiotic. I, I never really, I never ever used it as any tool for publicity or right. to get laid or any of those things. You didn't never. need it? No. Had uh, you needed it, though? Cheekbones will do it. But um, <laughs> but at school, these ridiculous schools that I went Did to. Did you go to Anna, Eton? I went to a, a uh, you know, a very similar school, mm-hmm. which is this masturbatory, you know, pseudo-spiritual um abusive, uh, hypocritical, immoral, was, absurd Was it religious? Education. Were there priests that everything were is, Everything is religious in, in those days, especially in that strata of society, you know, up and down to Abbey, as I, as I call it. Mm. Um, I was in those schools for eight years, from eight to 16. And because my mother was um, a paranoid schizophrenic, she was in an institution, and my father was in jail for fraud and embezzlement. And I'd only gone to these schools because my father put me down for them when I was one. It's that system where the child is, is, goes through the education that his father did, uh, and his father, and his father, and his father. My school was 800 years old. That's older than the United States of America. Okay. It's a school I went to, some Gothic building in Yorkshire, you know, where, where you expect Heathcliff to come running out of the bathroom. I have a question. Yeah. Your father had embezzled money because the wealth of the family was gone. Well, Did he, squandered he lose it? it? Yeah. Okay, he, so he got a great inheritance that he squandered? He got a huge inheritance. And when I was born, I was born into a family of great wealth and privilege. And, and by the time I hit eight years old, it was all gone. Because he was a gambler, right. and he was a womanizer, a drug addict. My my mother was his, I think, sixth wife. I don't know too much about him because I, d- I didn't I didn't spend much time with them. Um, at the time that I did, and I was thinking about this yesterday, and it was kind of fascinating. Was you know I walk on my toes, and I I walk very precisely, and I move very precisely, right? Um, and 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 quietly. You think you got that from him? No, I got it from avoiding her. Oh, wow, tiptoeing. Yeah. Oh, God. And because when you're dealing with that kind of mental illness, you don't know what's going to happen. So I, 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 I could completely fully realize the idea of danger. Yeah, yeah. But it didn't frighten me because right. I found ways to deal. And this is the well, peculiar that's the thing. the thing about children. 
good thing about children. Because it, it may torture us later, but at the time, we don't know any well, you different. adapt. And, and yes, it might torture us later, and yes, it's been torturous. The more you strip away the artifice in your life, the more you get in touch with those moments. Yeah. So those moments, therefore, become more potent in your dreams, and your relationships. And, and your reality. And your reality changes. The more clearer you get, the more you're horrified yeah. by these circumstances, and the harder the, the, the work becomes. Yes and no. I mean, I believe that, that you know, the horror is there. You know, if, if you suffer trauma, the horror is there whether you are dealing with it or not. And if, if you're dealing with it, at least you are moving through it. Yeah. Dealing with it is actually a lot more pleasant than acting out in an effort to avoid Absolutely it. Absolutely correct. With, with no question. I mean, avoiding anything is absurd yeah i mean what are you gonna avoid you've got to be there for it right now right here right now i mean it's not a new thing these last few years has been very much culturally you know focusing on the existential moment right the now the right. power terrible, of now ecotoli yeah all of that and 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 that that's a very difficult concept to grasp you know it's uh, well as soon as you're thinking about am i in the now you're well, not that's in the, the problem now. Isn't it? you know it's like acting it's like all right okay I'm a killer, okay. So does that mean I have to go out and kill people to find out how to play a killer? You know, I mean, people really, you know, ask you these questions, you know, how do you do that? And it's called pretending. Right. There's no, I mean, you know, when I see Daniel Day-Lewis as Lincoln, uh, and I, I hadn't seen it when it came out, I watched it the other day, and this was a staggering performance. But you can, you know, just because they have to call him Mr. Lincoln right. off and on set doesn't mean that he thinks that way. Right. You can't go and have a latte dressed as Abraham Lincoln. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's just not going to work. Uh, Mr. Lincoln, your omelette is ready. You know, it's, uh, I, you know, so... I was in a movie. Can I just interject? Yes. Because I never get to say this sentence ever again. I was in a movie called... Uh, Oh, God, I should at least remember this. I love your work. It was Adam Goldberg, you know? Um, oh, I love Adam Goldberg. He's so talented. So funny. Oh, yeah. He, funny. Di- he wrote and directed this movie, and I knew him, and so he put me in it yes. as a paparazzi like reporter yes. on the red carpet. What a stretch. And I had to... It is a stretch from where I am now, but it, that was what I did yeah, for a while. Yeah, I remember. Um, <laughs> you and a- yours, I, your I remembers, which like... No, I remember. <laughs> I, I remember full well that you I did all of that think- gossip stuff. I've even seen stuff of you... On telly, you know, on the YouTube things of doing red carpet and doing, okay. or, or being on Inside Edition. I'm, I'm not lying. I remember You're everything. You're stalking I remember, me is I, what the I truth must, is. What, you know not. what? I've got a new idea for a reality show. Celebrity, celebrity stalkers. Oh, I, we went. Me and Don Johnson went to see John Mayer at the Hollywood Bowl, <laughs> which in itself is a fabulous sentence. Yes. But we went back to see him with Katie, and John Mayer would not leave Don Johnson alone. Oh, he was just no. so thrilled. Yeah. He grabbed Don's phone and put his number in there. Hilarious. And for the next few days, he texted him constantly. Right. And he called me, my kid, this guy, I can't get rid of this guy. You know, he's like, you know, and it was a celebrity, and we came up with the idea of celebrity, celebrity stalking. That's Thank pretty funny. Much. Anybody listening that wants to produce this, please go contact me, and Anna will make millions. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be really easy to get cooperation for that. Everyone's going to be signing <laughs> releases left and right. Um, but oh, but my point about this is so I had to I had six lines in I was in a movie. Were you terrified? Thank you for letting me say that again. Yeah. Oh, I was totally terrified. And yeah. I learned the most important thing about acting, which is bring your Uggs. I didn't understand. Yeah. You know, I was wearing high How heels. How much horrible time there is. Yeah, I didn't talk. get. And like the real actresses, they were in their Uggs, yes, and I'm yes. in those high heels and my feet. No. Oh my god. No. So so I had six lines in this movie. And it was awful. You could you were saying them so much no. that you got no. What? 
I mean, don't no. I was I was a natural. Yes, I'm not, but I, for whatever reason, it went fine. But I had to rehearse Good. with Giovanni Ribisi and Ooh, Franca Patente, but right before. Great at both of them, wonderful. I actors. know. I mean, for my debut, oh, you know, great colleagues to have, and I Scientologists. Rem- not both, not both of them. Giovanni. Yeah, we didn't discuss it, but we did. <laughs> we did go into his trailer and run lines, and he was very weird and and not, you know, he didn't seem. He was just like, yeah, it was fine. And then I told Adam, you know, I was like, oh, we got it. Giovanni hates me. Something super annoying that a director would not want to deal with. And he's like, oh, he's a method actor. He's just in character. Yeah. He's not going to yeah. be nice. Yeah. Well, the whole notion of method acting uh, to me is fantastic in whatever process you have. I was very fortunate to interview Bruce Dern. Mm. And uh, I asked him, as I ask all actors, Eddie Begley, well, all of them, I say, well, how do you do it? And, and his response was fantastic. He's a guy whose body of work is really unparalleled, you know, and the most extraordinary performances. He's, and he's going to win. I heard he's got something out now. I've that's, seen it. Nebraska, not out yet. It's out any minute. Yeah. Nebraska. Uh, in black and white movie directed by Alexander Payne, who did Sideways and The Descendants. Incredible director and an amazing movie and an incredible performance. And I got to speak to him. And I said, well, how do you do it? And he said, well, you have to be publicly private. I said, what? He said, you have to be publicly private. You have to be able to be intimate with 120 people Mm. reading the sports page around you. You know, you have to be able to be there and block everything out. It's like that illusory moment when you're in a a romance and you two are dancing and everybody dissolves Mm. into nothing. I've read about that. Yeah. (laughs) That's cute. Go on. um, But he made that that analogy that to be able to dismiss everything that's going, which I'm pretty good at that. I can let go of everything around me and just vibe in on what's yeah. happening. Yeah, you, you have that energy. Yeah, I can do it. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I always say, and I've said it for years, and many people have said it, the biggest stars I've ever known, the people, that, and by that I mean the most successful and the most grounded. Yeah. Not the, big, the biggest star, egoistic stars, but the biggest stars that shone brighter than the yeah. sun are the ones that make you feel you're the only person alive Right. in the world at right. that moment. And and that's what it is. And if you really look at it, Warren Beatty's like that, the people I've met. You mean you, and you wouldn't know until you're with them in person. That's right. You wouldn't right. know. You don't know. Streisand is like that. What's Clint funny? Eastwood was like that. You know, Sidney Poitier was like that. Yeah, you know, I. Um, you're the only one person that exists. That's such, such a great quality. My mother has that quality, and I sometimes I, I've had. I'm not saying that you're. Yeah. I am. I am one of the great stars of the, our time. I'm saying <laughs> that my mother has that quality, yeah. and I inherit it to a degree. I think there's no greater compliment that people can give me than you know. You make me feel so special, like I'm the only one you see. Yeah. But there's also you know with that with that intensity that comes at a price, you know. Yeah. What price is that? Well, I think that I think that um, uh, sometimes that can be an obsessiveness. I think you know what I mean. To what people, please? No, no, no. I think um, if you're making somebody, let's say you're at a crowded dinner and you're making one person feel like the most important person there. I guess you're talking about something different. You're talking about one on one, but it's sort of can mean uh, you know. I, I think I used to have a big thing about sort of deciding you're better than me and I want your approval so much. I guess that is people-pleasing. And so um, I'm so focused on you. i give you everything you. I've got. Yeah, I'm so focused on you because I, you know, I, 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 you, you matter to me so yeah, much. Yeah, but you've changed in that case. If, if that's what you were, that's not what you are now. I, I think that genuine interest yeah. in people is makes a great interviewer true or, or makes a great anything you yeah know? i mean if you are genuinely into if i say to the checkout girl those earrings 
are so perfect on you. She's going to believe me. Right. Because, because I'm telling the truth. Right. I mean, I learned very early on that there's a frame here. And it just moves. That's it. It shifts here and You there. are very good at that, about noticing and, and treating every single person you interact with like they are important. And they are. Yeah. It's not – I didn't assume this stance. Right, right, right. Right. It's just – I did maybe for a little bit, which is what you're talking about, the one that yeah, – I want your approval, so I want to – Right, yeah. right. But, and that certainly was what I wanted. Audiences, you please. And then – and this is going to sound so pompous, but at Live Aid, you know. Live Aid, I, I, yeah. Yeah, and I there I was. And, and I looked out there, and there's 100,000 people there, and 2 billion people watching. And I realize, and I'm in the, and I go, geez, and I'm in the trailer, and I'm thinking, what is this? Is Dylan is like in his trailer, and there's, all the rock stars are like, uh, the inner sanctum around this trailer because he was the god there. Right. You know? It's so interesting to see, you know, Jagger and and whoever, you know, just, oh, my God, Dylan's in there. Jesus. Right. You know, and Madonna's scribbling words she might forget on her hand and the humanity of it, right. the humanity of superstardom. And I saw it. I saw it clear as a bell. I thought, I'm going to go out there. I'm petrified. I've been with this band 10 days. Right. And they had Robert Palmer, and they kicked him out or whatever. He left. He didn't want to play, play in front of 20,000 topless girls, and they thought of me, strangely yeah. enough. So I went and got the gig. But, like, literally 10 days, I'm now in front of the biggest audience in history. Right. So I had to get it together. Right. And pull it together. And the, and the, what happened was I, I just knew that it was a relationship between me and them. Yeah. It wasn't the, the sermonizing, being adored, right. pedestalized idiot right. up there in tight trousers, you know. It the wasn't that. Your trousers were tight. Well, I, I wasn't wearing trousers. I was wearing a miniskirt at the time. But were you really? The thing, no. But the thing is, is the, you know, but yeah, the look, the look is everything. Yeah. But, um, but what is above everything is the connection that you feel. You're and right. it's a relationship. I mean, all the great mystics have said this. Krishnamurti, so I, I would go and see him every summer in Ohio, you know, and he was 90. Is. Krishnamurti is a, an Irish guy. No. Krishnamurti is an Indian right. guru, philosopher, um, who came over to London in the, I guess, the teens, maybe the 20s, early 20s, and um, lived a very long life. Ended up in Ohio. Um, which is in uh, Southern California for lovely, your, for your listeners who are uh, around the international. world. International. International. Um, and it's an orange grove, and he, he settled there in the 30s and began a foundation, a school, and uh, and he would speak. And um, and he would say, you know, this is not, I'm not here to tell you what is real and what is happening and what is the truth. I'm here to have a conversation with you, and together we are to, of course, nobody else spoke, mm. but that's the way you felt. Mm-hmm. So if people can do that... Listen to him. Now, I have been horribly negligent because we are supposed to be talking about addiction and recovery, and oh, I great. believe that I have not asked one thing about that. Well, I mean, everything is about addiction. It's so and true. It's so you know, true. Everything I'm saying has been learned because I'm clear. So, at what age did you? So, what were you doing? Drug? Oh, drug wise, I was a cocaine Jack Daniels rock and roll guy. And, yeah. And what were called quaaludes then, which was you know you take them before they're over the coffee table, they were that kind of you know, and you have sex with the coffee table, which is not easy. <laughs> I missed those. Yeah, I thank was God. Too late. Well, having sex with furniture is not your thing, Anna, obviously, <laughs> and no mine. Although there was one of Shays Long in Cleveland that was particularly was attractive. Yeah. yeah. But I, um, it was the legs. The uh, no, you no, no. are a sucker for a good parallax. I am a sucker for a good parallax. Yeah, um, but but the drugs, coke, 
And cocaine, you were Coke. just snorting it. Yeah. I would skin pop it, you know, Ooh. and I would do all sorts of things. Um, heroin, going down, if you'll pardon the expression. Mm-hmm. Not ne- your thing. No. Uh, no, no, no. I liked hysteria. Yeah. And... Uh, um, you know, and and full throttle. That's what I liked. Yeah, yeah I was, a, I, you know, like in in as a school uh, school as an athlete, I, I liked the hundred yard dash. I didn't like six mile runs. You had to be way too, you know, together to do a six mile right. run. You know, like my stamina came in bursts. Right, you know, right, and, uh, right. That's what I like bursts. And then I would temper the madness with you know Jack Daniels and and what we'll call quaaludes. Then you know, oh, actually they were called mandrax in England when I first. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks a hash because in the 60s yeah in the 60s in the middle 60s when I got out of school these horrible hypocritical boarding schools and now I'm in London and I'm in drama school these cute girls and boys and and the blues and the faces and the stones and the animals and Jimi Hendrix and you know forget about it you Mm -hmm. know the streets are paved with velvet Mm. so um and we would eat hash because it was that Guy de Maupassant you know lotus eater you know, cool. But it's disgusting tasting. Well, Jack Daniels is disgusting. But it's the I mean, consistency. It's, it's, you know, so you would eat it, just not into, not baked into foods, but just... No, no, no. I would just eat... I would I'd buy a block of it and uh-huh. I would chew it. I would just bite it and eat it because it would get in your bloodstream. Yeah. It took a while. Here's the problem. It took a while to come on to hashish. So yeah. you'd eat it, you yeah. know. I can see that, you know. You'd eat it. And then 40 minutes later, you'd go, no, it didn't this work. is pathetic. So let me Clearly, I've, been, I've, been, I've got to eat it all. But yeah. Yeah. So then you eat it all. And yeah. then you're gone for three weeks. I ate a space cake in Amsterdam. Space and cake. the exact same thing happened, right. except that I lost a day. My friend oh, yeah. and I got up in the morning and we said, I can't believe it. We were so, so messed up. It's so great it's that, Friday. We, that yeah. we missed. We didn't miss our flight. Yeah. and We had missed a day. Yeah. Gone. Yeah, well, I missed a few years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure it was fun. I've got the photographs to prove it. But, yeah. But, um, or somebody else does. But, um, or Miss Pamela does. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, hashish, fantastic. That was the first thing. But that was trippy. But then rock and roll and then stamina. Then I needed to play every night. And yeah. so, and, and it's intensely boring, as you as you described. Uggs, uh, you know, in my case, I only wore silver high-heeled shoes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So you needed something to in take a the pain away. Band. Yeah. I, I, so a lot of it was the boredom of it, you know, yeah. is why I got into it. And, and Coke was the de rigueur drug. Plus, I was terribly impressionable and wanted to emulate one's heroes. And my heroes were all, you know, the, the usual list. You know, mm-hmm. Keith, Lord Byron, you know. Uh, you know. Lord Byron well, was doing opium. Well, same, hash, you know, it's right. an opiate. You know, I mean, it's, the, it's, it's that dreamy thing. But then um, it became, uh, as you said... Uh, fun for a while, not fun for right. a while, and then and then the not fun for a while was eighty one, and mm-hmm. that's when I quit. Okay, wait. So you were sober for Live Aid because that was eighty five, oh, right? Yeah. Um, look at my math. Um, and my amazing, amazing with figures. Uh, <laughs> so eighty one, and you have been sober since. Mm-hmm. And was it challenging to put it all down? Not everybody was doing that back then. Nobody was doing it. I was a leper, a pariah. Is that true? Avoided. Oh, yeah. I mean, you see, this is why it was so good for me, because I realized how foolish it was to spend 23 hours uh, in a row talking about when you were five (laughs) and repeating oneself. So, Right. 
of which everybody did except me. I was on a private plane with one of the richest, most successful, youngest musicians ever. Who is that? They were called Duran Duran. Right, right, right. And this was uh, after you were sober. This is yeah, two or three years later. Um, right. And uh, I had constant reminders of what I was doing was probably the right thing. You know, I would get up, I would run. You know, because I run, I run with the bodyguards, and I would go to the local store and buy everything I could possibly buy, clothes-wise, mm. jewelry, and 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 come back. And by the time I came back after living two or three lives, you know, that they were all coming too. Right, right. I think the drummer was handed a bill at the end of that tour, and I was handed a million dollars. So you work it out. <laughs> so, but were you tempted? While you were touring with them? Never. Never. The reverse. Right. Whatever right, right. the opposite of tempted is. Yeah. Repelled, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, no, it wasn't that savage. I love those boys. Yeah. And actually, you know... Um, Jewel John's sober now. Well, I mean, you know, I guess one can say that. You know, it's in his book. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and it's a brilliant book. I mean, John I, Taylor's book? Yeah, I Oh, my God. In the Pleasure Groove, incredibly well written, and he's just a brilliant guy. I mean, he's just a fantastic guy, and Andy, and it was great. I mean, you know, and the drummer's passed away. God bless him for the very reasons we're describing. Right. You know, and right. um, yeah, so yeah, I got it. Never was I. Uh, I'm never. I honestly can say I've never ever um, been tempted by going backwards. Yeah. But then I'm again. I'm not a going backwards sort of a person. Right. 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 You know, I never really revisit the past. The only re- reason that I revisit the past in the internet and in the social media is because they want they want yeah. to see those pictures. Right. They, uh, because nobody looked like that, and 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 the ones that. Um, you know, I mean, there are there is none of that rock and roll Sodom. You know, I put out a live album yesterday. Came out yesterday. We got ninety five thousand hits on Google yesterday. Amazing. My, you know, as as I think I told you before, I'm very proud of it. I can't even believe it. I, I am staggered by it. And I think the reason for it is because who the hell puts out live albums? Right. right. And who, who's in plays rock and roll music? Right. Very few people. You know, and everything is lip synced, which I despise, and everything's auto tuned, which I despise, and everything's technologically shifted and shaped into some, you know, perfect product. And and that's the opposite of what I do. I mean, I when I was a kid, I was more interested in hearing the mic stand fall over on a right. record. That's right, what right, I wanted. Right. Was those mistakes? Where is where all the beauty is? And all the all the. That's why I love animals because you know there's no predictability there. Well, and that's why I love podcasts because it is a medium where um, it's not that you, it's not that whatever you call, people could call it unprofessional. It's the humanity. That's why I'm so obsessed with them. That's why I listen to them in my car because I feel like I'm actually sitting and listening to the person being interviewed as opposed to this PR concocted BS that we've been fed for so many decades. Well, it's not the, the event. That's the thing that, that you, um, I know that you have learned and I've learned is that if somebody comes on as promoting something, yeah. I'll cut it short. Right, right, right. And if they, because it's not about the event, it's about the person who experienced, right. is experiencing the event right. and why and how and how did you get to that point to enable you to experience this event. 
and it, the event is irrelevant. I know, but I've been on both sides of it because I you know, know. Yeah. we we live in this world where the people, you know, especially when I mean, when you're with a the publisher, they're like, "Go sell that freaking book." Go sell. We're, we're certainly not selling it, so you better go. Well, the book sell thing, that. in terms of you being so prolific and having you know five books, six books to your credit, six. That's that's, out. that's an incredible discipline, and it cannot go unnoticed. The thing that I would say is publish it yourself without yeah. question because yeah. there is no money in books and and not yeah. even for Pete Townsend. So, yeah. you know, people are just not reading books. They're just not I reading just... them, you know. And, they, and yet the irony, of course, is that every bass player in every group that ever existed has written a book. Yeah. You know, and I'm being, I'm, I'm not being judgmental here. I'm simply describing a phenomena of the, how many rock and roll stars can write their books and the trajectory of which is working class yeah. Made some money, bought mama a house, got addicted to drugs, died twice, came alive right. twice, and now works with rescue animals. <laughs> and that's the book. And they're all the same. Unless you're Keith Richards, in which case you skip the last part. Well, you skip the last part, uh, and you're incredibly mean about the man that yeah. uh, you, you were with and, have, and still are for 50 years, and you, you said he had a small penis. Not cool. Right. Keith is the coolest man alive, up to a point. Right. But we can't have idols. Right, you right, know, right. Idols are ridiculous. Right, I agree. I agree. Um, but I was going to say something about, oh, yeah, books. I mean, I is kind of boring tangent, but I, I think it's, I think there is a problem with people not reading. I don't know. Part of me thinks Kindles, Amazon people are actually reading more. That The problem is less that and more that the publishing industry is broken in a no, way. No, no, no. I agree. I, I'm, I'm saying physical books don't exist and are right. not selling. You can get it online. A lot of people are buried in books on their Kindle and I yeah. think that's great. And they've got the little, you know, flashlight in their forehead and they read at night and it's beautiful <laughs> if they, you know, well, you know, if they do read books, it's almost like some, some Denzel Washington apocalyptic movie with the book and the candle and books must live and kind of movie you know with the bad guy would be Alan Rickman you'd be the bad guy probably if I was still in that game but I really am not not in that game well I just did California Solo with Robert Carlyle that's pretty great and that just came out he's great a ridiculous actor and we had a great time and I did this movie called uh, Me with uh, Jeff Levy directed it and it's uh, with uh, Molly Ringwald Jennifer Jason Leigh and Gina Gershon and it's all those 80s girls yeah. and me. And, and it, it, that was really fun. It was improvised. So that was interesting to me. The, the discipline of going with the LA Philharmonic was interesting. The discipline that I'm about to do with the Glendale Philharmonic, doing this story about this um, hero who rescued all these people from the Holocaust. And, uh, and I do my radio show, and I put my music out. But I'm no longer going to hit my marks and kill people on telly. Mm. I just can't do it anymore. I can't, I just read it, or it's some clown rock and roll guy, right, or it's right. some Jeremy Irons businessman in a pinstripe suit and a, and a and, you know, and an embezzlement charge hanging but over his head. you were so sexy on Melrose Place. Well, Mel, you know, you, you know I, I had the great advantage, thank you, of, of working with Heather Lear, who's, luckily, who's the greatest girl in the world. Right, Lear, you right. Know, I mean, and also a rock and roll girl, and it was, you know, and, and doing that show at that time was fun. Right. Because it was a cultural zeitgeist geisty show right. and I knew you know I remember I went to Australia in the middle of it uh, to go see a g- girl I was dating at the time it's a funny story she was an actress she she was doing a series in Australia and I was on Melrose Place and and I went over to Australia to see her and my season of Melrose Place had just started to be aired in Australia 
I've been there one hour. I went to the mall to get like toothpaste and I was swarmed. like swarmed right. by Aussies. The, the problem was, of course, that I went to visit my girlfriend who was now in love with the teenage star of the series that she was filming down Not there. Convenient. His name was Heath Ledger. I, what's crazy is I remember you telling me this. She was the sister of an actor. Uh-huh. God, I have a good memory. You told you me do. this the night at Dantana's. Yeah. And you, I remember you telling me that, because it was before his stardom had peaked, you were like, he's going to be the biggest star oh, in America. Yeah. And I, I said, no, that guy with right. the long hair and right. 10 things I hate about you, you are so wrong. And you said, no, I know. And this is why I know. Yeah, because she's an incredible girl, and uh, and uh, he was seventeen, and and I met him, and I, listen, I fell in love with him like everybody right. else did. Right. Uh, you know, I remember distinctly the limo pulled up. They're on location, outside of Sydney, glorious location, fantastic. I can't wait to see her, and I see this gorgeous guy yeah. in brown leather pants and no shirt, bareback on a horse, riding across the field. Did you say? Uh-oh. And I go. God, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I felt it was like an arrow in my heart because right. I knew, I just knew that she would, the aesthetic would be irresistible to her. Right. And I was right. And I literally got on a plane the next morning, you know. But at least the, the Aussies like, you know, Michael DeBar yeah, right, chased yeah. you out in Yeah, but that was good. That was good. That was really good. To assuage the ego. But that's when I think of Melrose Place, I think of that. And funnily <laughs> enough, I don't think. But it was great doing it, you know, and spelling. And it, that whole world is, that's not, doesn't. It doesn't fulfill you. No. Not that you would turn it down if they came across, well, you know. it would depend. I would turn it down, turn down things every week. Uh, if it really? Wasn't, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. So this was a conscious decision. I don't want to act. I want to. Well, I don't want to put myself through the time wasted. Right. Because it's like you so With accurately observed. It's UG time. And I, yeah. I don't possess a pair of UGs. Yeah. And yeah. I wouldn't dream. Yeah, I couldn't of, see you in no, one. They, no, they don't have heels. No. <laughs> Look at these boots. I wish you view I wish I owned those boots. They're just I wish staggering. They were the camera, and they're yeah. cool. And, and you know, they're beetle boots. And like everything, they have pink on the inside but oh I, and uh, your yellow socks yeah well you know what are you gonna do but no that was fun Melrose are you kidding great zeitgeist yeah part of the culture yeah but then again I've been part of the culture yeah you hit a levels. lot of cultural points yeah. you manage that yeah what um and then let's talk about obsession the song you wrote which is really a great song about addiction and alcoholism yes I believe. it is exactly correct I'm very glad that you know that you've done your research it was written I only had to hear it to know that you did Obsession, you're my. Who do you want me to be to make you sleep with me? You are obsession. You're my. It's so good. It goes. I will have you. Yes, I will have you. I will find a way, and I will have you like a butterfly, a wild butterfly. I will collect you and capture you. Collect you. Collect you and capture. Uh, you know what it is? I got the image from a movie called The Collector, which starred Terrence Stamp and Samantha Egger in the 60s about a guy, little guy played by the gorgeous Terry Stamp, who wins the lottery and, and buys a van and sees this girl and stalks this girl and kidnaps a girl and takes her to a house he's bought with the lottery money and, and sets it all up. She's an artist and sets it up with paints and canvases and all, her clothes and in, the, in, the, in the dungeons of this place. And played by Samantha Egger, who I met at a screening a couple of weeks ago. As a I don't know who fact. that is. She's a British actress, Julie Christie-esque right. girl, freckles, red hair, gorgeous. Um, and, and, the, and so that image was in my head of a guy who was so obsessed with something. But with me, it was Coke. Yeah. 
So you wrote that song about cocaine? Yeah. And, and everybody thinks it's a love song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Anna Motion came out with a, with a terrific version. You know, not what I would have done with it, but fabulous and very. And there was a cool. video, right? That was there a video? Oh was this, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, them in sort of you know, like the I'm now very I'm 80s. now miming shoulder pads and headbands just for you guys, so you're in on the thing. Did you know that song was going to be? Um, I knew it was catchy. Yeah. You never know if they're going to catch if anything. on. Yeah. You know if they're good and they and you work for you. Yeah. But I figure that that's the only criteria that there is, you know, is yeah. it work for you or not. If it works for you, like I said to somebody today, somebody, you know, on Facebook will say, Michael, how come that you, this happened and, and you know, and, 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 and don't, doesn't like criticism affect you? And, and, and what about when people really love you? I mean, how do you deal with all of that? And I, I always say, it's so, they're both the same. Mm. You can't trust either of them because right. if you allow people to critique you, then you're going to stop doing what you're doing, you know, because it's going to hurt you. And if you think it's that you're brilliant and it's fantastic, then that is going to take away the edge of it all right. and, the, and which, the need to do it. Which happens to so many successful I think, people. I, th- I think success, as they say, the biggest cliche in the world, is harder to handle than, than yeah. the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, always have your next. Your always have success. Just to step away and be striving towards it. I mean, that's the best place to be. I think that's true. There's another way of doing it, and just accept that you're going to be successful. Right. Because to be in the consciousness of success is to be successful. Right. That's true. If I'm happy for you and your seventh book, right. Then my first book will be a hit. Right. And that's what one has to get so into. So hard. And I don't know if that is the way I was raised. If that's my, you know, alcoholic personality. But jealousy. What is an alcoholic personality? To me. Yeah. Um, self-obsession coupled with self-hatred and that drives you to have to drink and do drugs to excess. Also, tra- well, trauma, I think, can bring about that sort of way of thinking so that you it, it's impossible to live, so you either have to kill yourself or you have to find a way to stop those thoughts. And you find alcohol and drugs, and then when, when it works, like real, real, real well. And then it stops working and it turns on you and it makes it worse than it ever was, even in the beginning. And you, and that's when you're really at the jumping off point. Mm-hmm. And that's why, uh, to me, 12-step programs give you, you know, with some other things, a way to live and actually deal with that way of thinking. Mm-hmm. There's a degrees of powerlessness is what I discovered. Is, you know... When you view yourself as being worthless, you know, it, 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 and I learned this strangely enough as an actor playing killers and stuff, which I've done a lot. Yeah. The reason that I could do it post sobriety was I knew what it was like to hate yourself so much that mm. you, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That life just, that you would just yeah. kill and be wow. killed. And, and, and this was sobriety taught me how to act. Right. Sobriety taught me how to do. Everything. Everything, yeah, taught me how to. The uh, thing about write. it is, is if you nail it down, then you can re- you can remember "Tender Is the Night" by F. Scott Fitzgerald. You can remember it. You right. can you can you can feel it. If, if you're loaded and you read it, you can't. No, you no. know, and that's pretty telling, isn't it? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, also, you know, some people are able to work on on drugs. I I, I don't know. I I couldn't. I mean, well, I you can for a while. I my my lifespan of being able to work on drugs was very very short. Yeah, me too. I only was addicted, really severely addicted, for three years. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, when I was out of control, when it owned me. Yeah. I mean, I owned it for you know. I mean, I didn't get start getting loaded till like seventy one, 
which probably to you guys sounds prehistoric, but for me, it's not. It was like, uh, you know, it was, I was addicted for five and you got sober I mean, in 81, you said? I got so- sober in 81, and I started in 71, and, and it was only the last three or four years that I was Those insane. Those last three or four years, yeah. And were you locked up alone? Um, in no, like I was a, never alone. You were never alone? No, I've never been alone. In your life? No, not really. Really? Not really, You no. never did that crazy, you know, doing cocaine Isolated and stuff. No. looking out the, you know, the window? No, 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 no. There was always somebody there to get me loaded, yeah. 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 And I didn't drive right. a vehicle until I was... 120 <laughs> until I was like 40, you know, and I'm now 65, which is amazing. Yeah, and I didn't drive, and I so I couldn't get from A to B. So the you know there was always somebody, they had to be know. somebody there. There was always somebody going my way, Anna. Yes, um, I'm not surprised by that. Uh, well, so and and so your your show, the Michael DeBar show, yeah. can be seen where can be seen T Radio V T Radio V T Radio V one word. And you can see and hear it. It's on a number of FM stations, WSDI in Chicago. It's on KongMonster.net here in L.A. It's on in Tahoe in New York. I'm joining the Sirius family in January. Congratulations. Thank and you. And you. you have amazing guests on there. You, tell me who some of the guests have been. Um, well, have been has been uh, I, Judd Nelson, Ed Begley Jr., Bruce Dern, Rosanna Raquette, um, Bob Forrest. Mm, yeah, I know him. Uh, you should. And an amazing and, character. Uh, and Steve Jones went on. Steve's been on there. Robert Patrick. Um, uh, coming up, I've had Elvira on for Halloween, who was just right. absolutely magnificent woman, who you would adore, because she created herself. Right, right. Uh, and it created this incredibly, indelibly uh, etched in American culture, Elvira, which I love, that whole period. You know, people that create characters through which they express themselves fantastic. And um, I have Julian Lennon next week, and um, I'm interviewing Don Johnson the following week. I'm doing Belinda Carlisle after that, and then we're doing uh, I o- next week. I'm uh, doing Ione Sky, yeah, and uh, her husband Ben Lee, right, right, because they're very spiritual, very interesting couple, right, and. Um, you know, it all sounds very celebrity-oriented because the the nature of what I'm doing sort of demands that in yeah. order to get people to listen. to listen and and look at and um, but but that's not the content I've listened. No, yeah. no, I don't talk about stardom or anything like that. I talk about you know what what they really feel. In in Judd's case, since you, that's the show, show you saw. How interesting is Judd Nelson? A lot more interesting than I ever expected him to be. Exactly. And that's my job. Yeah. Is to bring what is interesting. So therefore, if one can do it with somebody who you do not expect to be that interesting, the, the, the issue here is that, as you've discovered, I know and I see it in your eyes, everybody has a story to tell. Yeah. It's so, I mean, it's so corny. But it's true. Everybody's been through something. Yeah. You know, their uncle has done this to them, and they did this, and they, well, you know, they have fantasies of this, and they really like to collect, you know, dead butterflies and make, you know, dresses out of it. Right. I mean, who knows, man? You know. But everybody's got some. Yeah. Some people are better at expressing it than others. But you, but you know what? It's, it, that is true. But at the same time, I sort of like hearing people reach. Epiphanies. I, yeah. I, you know, it, 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 it's an amazing thing. It's almost like I can feel it and I can just, I feel like I'm steering a giant, you know, galleon in the Armada in the 18th century. And I've got this great wheel and a sort of Jack Sparrow, but not as camp. Right. And I'm steering. 
this thing and you can feel them just the boat and then they get it and they go ah oh, you know and they hit a wave and it's all perfect you know and i don't care who they are you know um in fact the very ones that you think are going to be articulate and free are the ones that choke yeah 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 and go um well uh, I, I, you know, is that, wait, I, you know, you get a, a bunch of you know syllables that don't make any sense. Well, I found also that if somebody's uncomfortable, this is part of my codependence. I start to get really uncomfortable. Do you really? Yes, uh, I do not. That's good. I can't see you uncomfortable under no, any circumstances. I don't get though. uncomfortable. Yeah, no, it's I not an experience. In, in the ever middle had. of the night, I get sometimes I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, your neck is sort of not physically. Note. Physically, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a yogi. But, but like no, it's the as we were discussing, the dreams come. Yeah. Of the past, of the oh, childhood, really? and the thing, and the and the tiptoeing, and the thin mm. ice, and the mother, and the thing, and the schools, because it was Dickensian at best. It actually made Dickens look like you know Sesame Street. My my upbringing. What do you think that has to do with your addiction? Well, you know, where do you turn? Yeah, exactly. Do you, there's no parent figure. There's yeah. no author. I didn't respect anyone. Right. I went to these schools and saw them abuse boys and was abused by them. How were you abused? By physically, sexually, by really, by, of course, by men. By men, indeed, by men. <clears throat> and um, I've been abused by every sex, darling. You know, uh, it's just one of those great burdens. The being had to Michael Debar. Yes, it's one of the great. Yes. Every the, day, a woman abuses you. Abuses sure. me all the time in parking lots, but I, um, you know, the t- so I could see the absurdity of authority. Yeah. You know, and, and how I have to have no faith in it. That's why I'm very um, interested in what's happening right now because all of our institutions have let us down. There is no institution right. that we can, I can think of, right. you know, whether it be a sports hero, whether it be a musician, whether it be a politician, an elected official, whatever it is, who has not been compromised right. by the greed and corruption. Exactly, as Russell Brand described. I mean, right. of course, I don't agree with the voting thing that he, that he, right. that he came up with. I certainly feel that it's push comes to shove time and um, that's why I have this off the grid theory you can't disappear and expect things to get better no just because you're growing your own Brussels sprouts doesn't mean you're metaphysically free right you know I mean freedom on that level is getting stuck into the community and working with uh, being of service to the community um, well, we we are so at our at our done point, and I could talk to you for about another month. year. Oh, <laughs> look, look how pessimistic we, you yes, are! Yes, only, yes, a month. only a month. I'm offended. Yeah. Well, I'm used um, to doing series that only last three weeks, and then they're canceled. <laughs> well, I this was such a good uh, opportunity to catch Thank up you, with Anna. you, darling, because it has been way too long. Yeah. Is, yeah. And I would love to come see you perform live. Oh, yeah. and, and well, you, you know, I, I would love you to come and see one of the radio shows. I'd love you it. Know, and Let's you do can, it. You meet those people. Let's meet those people. You know, and maybe the next time you see Anna is going to be on T Radio V. You never T know, Radio folks. V. You That's heard it right. here first. Yeah. Exclusive. Okay, darling, so wonderful. Thank you. God bless you all out there.